Welcome back to another episode of Vegan Cookie Reviews, or VCR for short, if you want to, you know, if you want to use that. <laughs> um, Vegan Cookie Reviews is sponsored by Mies Installations, a construction company whose tagline is Design, Build, Connect. Thanks for joining uh, me today, and I'm super excited for you guys to hear this episode. It was an amazing talk with a friend of mine, Aaron Brown. And um, before we get into it, I just want to mention that we do discuss uh, topic, uh, the topic of suicide, uh, mental health, among other things. Uh, so just be aware of that before you decide to continue to listen. Hope you enjoy. Please share with uh, anyone who you think could gain some value or some insight from it. Um, and I hope you enjoy. And let's get into it. Hey, tell me if you love me. Yes, I love you. Yes, I love you. Vicky, tell me if you love him. That's a hiccup. Tell him, tell him, tell him. Love you, Mia. Love you. Call me back. Well, yeah, like, you know, I love you. I'm super proud of, like, everything that you've accomplished, mm. especially the fact that, like, your dream with what yeah. you're doing, which I love. Hey, man, I heard the last podcast. Uh, the conversation was good. Uh, the, the, the guest was interesting. I will say, I think the best part of it was the name, though. Vegan Cookie Reviews. You got it. You got to give me credit. Yeah. No, I will. Vegan Cookie Reviews. <laughs> because I just know, like, the type of person that you are and, like, the type of content you make and the way you make people feel is special. It's one of a kind. Their privilege and lack of privilege in that specific area, like, you feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. around them. Like, you don't get that with you because you don't ever feel like you're um, judging, like, like, a privilege that, or anything. Like... You are like a positive person to be around. Well, dude, I was telling you, that's what I think is so cool about it. It's like, you've got these like conversations that we've had, like set in stone. Like when we're like 50, we can look back and be like, oh yeah, let's listen to this like 40 minute conversation we had in 2017 or whatever. Yeah. All right, welcome to the podcast, Vegan Cookie Reviews. We have today with us Aaron Brown, a designer, an artist, an amazing human being. How are you? I'm well. I like that intro. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) So let's start by just telling a little bit about your journey and how you got into the design world. Yeah. Okay. So the journey. Um... My very first design memory is kind of a funny one. Uh, I was in my garage with my two neighbor friends. We were probably like 12. And actually, you know what? Now that I say that, I think it was even when I was littler. I was like five and we were building these cardboard. I don't know why I was always building cardboard houses in my garage. Mm -hmm. Apparently, there were a lot of boxes and I had a garage (laughs) available to me. So um, I remember doing that a couple of times and then being good at art drawing um i have good spatial awareness Mm -hmm. um but i never really took it too seriously because i felt like this practical nature of mine i needed to have a business background so Mm. i did go to college for business um and then i went to go work for nonprofits, and i also like took a small foray in scuba diving So I was pretty much anything but a designer (laughs) for a really long time until um, I got my own home 
And I started to just enjoy that process of making a house a home. Mm. And then I would have friends come over and comment of, hey, you know, this is really cool. How how did you think to do this? Or why are your ceilings black? True story. (laughs) (laughs) We had black ceilings in our basement (laughs) in Chicago because we went into a hotel like, I don't know, months before that had these cool black ceilings. Mm. I'm like, oh, we're doing it. Needless to say, when we went to sell the house, the realtor's like, you should probably unpaint the black ceilings (laughs) in the basement. I'm like, what? It's a mood. But um, anyhow, so it really started in my own home. And Mm. then we had a friend who was starting a restaurant and we were investors and uh, silent investors. And he was um, decorating the space and I was kind of giving input. And um, then I guess I just couldn't stop giving input. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that was sort of my first commercial role. And we actually ended up opening more restaurants. And I then was like the full on designer mm-hmm. of those projects. And simultaneously, we were renovating our home in California. Um, we had renovated a home in Illinois when we lived out there. So it was just personal project after personal project um, until it became some of those commercial projects where Mm -hmm. it was still, it felt personal because we were invested in the company and it was with a friend. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I just kept getting these opportunities to, to flex that creative muscle of what does it mean to create a home? What, what is beautiful to me? What is beautiful to those around me? um, What is functional? So answering all those questions that all of us answer every day, whether it's we're in the aisles of Target looking at storage containers or, you know, curtains or wherever it might be. I just had a lot of opportunity within my home and business to sort of go down that road until eventually I had enough friends and family saying like, you should do this. And actually, you know, who spoke it into existence was Sebastian. Really? He was like, you need to start Aaron Brown design. <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Aaron, <laughs> he had done all the tile in our old house and it was just like, no, this is rad. You do yeah. cool things. Yeah. You, and you could totally hear him. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, this is rad. You need to start Aaron Brown design. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he even said, I'm speaking it into existence. <laughs> yeah. 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 Totally. sounds like him. Yeah. So, so that was kind of the start. And then my first paying clients, um, gosh, well, I guess several years ago. Um, but design wise, I've probably been doing it for a good, uh, almost 20 years, Mm -hmm. but paying, yeah, in the last five really. And it's been, um, it's a whole different ball game than when you don't, you know, I'm not paying for the things that are going into my client's home, they are choosing them, you know, budgets vary, tastes vary, um, importance of certain details vary. So it's always, it it was just really mind expanding to start working with clients Mm -hmm. and not just my own ideas. Yeah. So you said 20 years, just kind of just starting investigating, getting curious, probably the last 10 probably last 15 more serious, I guess. So where would you say that the most influence came in as far as your learning goes? Like if you were to come out of high school and say, I want to be a designer, you Mm -hmm. go to 
college for that or you take classes, you learn, you know, specific things about the industry. Whereas opposed to you, you took a little bit of a different route where it just kind of became apparent that this is something that maybe you want right. to put more energy into. So where would you say that along the way you kind of picked up more of those those lessons or was it just all these things accumulating over the years? Hmm. So I would say kind of like what you were talking about when you saw a home being deconstructed for the mm-hmm. first time. Yeah. Once I saw how in essence simple construction is or can be and mm-hmm. that and that's like <laughs> yeah a yeah. very very bad statement there's nothing simple <laughs> about construction but our minds can be tricked to think that there is but you know you have a wall you have the sheetrock and then you have the tile so i'm like okay those are all approachable materials mm-hmm. um so i think that was the idea that it was doable I could wrap my arms around it. Um, if I were to go back and say this is the right way to do it, mm-hmm. I'd probably spend a little bit more time um, drafting, learning some of that software, and making making the digital portion an area of expertise because I was going to have the exposure physically. Um, mm-hmm. That was sort of my advantage is that I, I was in the middle of a lot of different remodels over the years. Yeah. So I just constantly had things going on. Yeah, it's that statement about it being simple is funny because I think from somebody outside, yeah, that might sound a little like there's it's not simple at all. But right. as someone who knows construction, uh, yeah, I totally understand how that how that works like once you see the inside of a building and you go oh okay this is how all this goes together it's kind of like seeing a painting being painted and maybe you won't be able to do that at first but you'll kind of get a better understanding of oh that's how this blends all together and makes this painting exactly so i i i really like your journey specifically because i think And like we were talking about how, you know, out of high school, I really didn't have a path direct. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was not sure what I wanted to do. And I think sometimes that can be a little bit daunting for younger people coming out of high school going, what if I pick the wrong thing or is there a wrong thing? Is there a right thing? So I think it's inspiring to hear the story story that might be a little bit of a alternative path because that might spark in somebody. Oh, okay. You know, this might be something that I discover down the line. Right. You know? Right. And it might be something that they're kind of dipping their toe into right now and they don't know what it will be in 20 years from now. Man, that's, yeah, that's a good one. Right. Just sort of, and that's where curiosity is super helpful of Mm -hmm. just staying curious and trying things. Um, I think that was the biggest thing for me is I was just going to keep trying different options and, and maybe I was dumb for it or bold. I think you could (laughs) substitute either word. Yeah. yeah, You could make a case. (laughs) Right. Right. But, um, but I was willing to try and, and I did once I was um, confident that I I knew what good design was. Mm-hmm. Um, I took a year of just helping friends for free because mm. that little self doubt in your mind, in my mind, 
was a loud voice. It was like, mm. yeah, you might be able to do your own, but can you really help other people? So then, um, you know, just for anybody out there who's kind of searching, like find friends. And if, if they give you feedback of, Hey, you know what, you're, you're doing a really good job of this and thank you for your help. And that was really useful. That's free. And that doesn't like, that doesn't require a lot. And, yeah. or if you're doing those things and people are like, mm, maybe you should pick something else. <laughs> yeah. You know, that could yeah. be an indicator too. <laughs> I mean, don't, don't let one, one bad comment steer you astray, but if there's a trend, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 you got to listen at some point. <laughs> right. Right. So what would you say are your inspirations as far as, or, or, did you have like a lot of time that you spent kind of gathering inspiration from like design and architecture? Cause I think I've, I've seen you kind of visit a lot of different places. Like what are some of the inspirations that you have in the architecture design world? Cause I think that's super interesting to see how different fields who, who people are inspired by. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my mom always said growing up, travel is the best education. Mm -hmm. And so I definitely would agree with that of just going to be able to visit places and see them and certain buildings will make you feel a certain kind of a way. And, you know, um, I think m one of my architectural heroes is Frank Lloyd Wright. And I was raised in Arizona where he had one of his, uh, I guess, homes or studios or educational centers. Mm -hmm. And then my husband and I lived in Illinois, fairly near um, another one of his sort of educational centers. So I saw a lot of Frank Lloyd Wright buildings around me, both growing up and then as an adult. And I went to Falling Water in Pennsylvania. Okay, yeah, that's the one I think I... It it's is. the very, like... You'll know it. Anybody who sees yeah, yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> it's like this very sort of interesting rectangular structure that is built in the middle of nowhere with a forest all mm -hmm. around it and a river running through it. And it's like, where did, it almost looks like it landed there, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's such an iconic, beautiful building. Um, we went there a few years ago and literally like, it's <laughs> the only building that's ever made me weep. My kids looked over and they're like, are you crying mom? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, so it really was like I felt it in my core. The whole thing was just awe-inspiring. And mm -hmm. um, he he used nature a lot, and he took cues from what was around him. And that's something that I like to even bring to my clients. And so it'll somebody, well, let's say farmhouse was a style mm -hmm. that was really popular. It was like everybody wanted farmhouse. And I'm like, well, that's great but I don't see a farm anywhere around here. So let's take a few cues from nature. And if it's a trend that you really like, and if it's a style, let's put it in where you want to and where you'll be happy changing it out when the next trend and style comes through, you know? And, and maybe somebody grew up on a farm mm -hmm. and they are like hearkening in the love of like where they are from. And that's a whole different story. But that's not everyone, and, yeah. you know, so just trying to take cues out of where you are. What does your building already look like? What sort of a house are you already in? Um, so so when you talk about the inspiration from architects and travel, it's really just 
trying to meet people where they are and make the very, it's caring for them, I Mm -hmm. guess, really in their space. I want them to function the best that they can, live the life that they want to lead. If they're super social, let's make sure that people can come in. If they have a really stressful job, maybe a serene, you know, bathroom or getaway or whatever it might be. Let's try to lend to what your life actually looks like and not necessarily the air quotes trend. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really beautiful way to look at design. You worded it so perfectly because design can be, and you know, you're going to be living in this house. You're going to be looking at it every single day. And I think sometimes the realization that it functions as something and it's not just, okay, you, you know, a place to eat, a place to sleep, but it functions as a part of your life that can contribute to how you're already living or how you want to live, mm-hmm. um, which is I the wording you use right now. I love it. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I literally just listened to a podcast and this is something I had felt for a long time um, about your space is really meaningful mm-hmm. to the life that you're going to create and the one that you lead. But uh, he actually was just, he, and he's a scientist. I won't say the name of the podcast or anything. We don't need to cross pollinate here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But he was saying that your environment actually does contribute to the scientific definition of happiness. Mm-hmm. So um, that made me feel good because sometimes design can feel a little superficial <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah. and I've, I've personally experienced that in my life um, mm-hmm. during a time uh, of, of trauma. Essentially, I was in the middle of helping people with their design. And I remember specifically a client asked me about um, which knob, you know, is going to be A, B or C. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it actually does not even matter what knob you choose, because like. I am in a free fall of emotional like damage yeah. right now. I wasn't saying that to yeah. her, but it's, you know, when you're in big things in life, the knob does not matter. <laughs> but when you're in a healthy place, you know, it's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's all part of the bigger, you know, yeah, yeah. aesthetic and, and those details do matter. But, um, yeah, yeah. Design, design is important for the sake of, of people being important and feeling cared for in their environment. Mm-hmm. So speaking of uh, people, which I guess we'll all explain because, you know, if you've listened to the first episode with Jackie, there's a, a common thread there because Sebastian is the reason why we're connected because mm-hmm. I met, I knew Sebastian and then he was working for you um and then just by that you know common commonality we that's how i found out about you uh so having sebastian in in your life and you were talking about how he kind of pushed you to to start doing your own thing yeah um so that's kind of just an explanation because if right. people are listening they'll be like wait okay so you all know each other you know? right <laughs> um so you were talking about like trauma and stuff like that which we'll get into in a little bit, but I want to speak about first the the house. Yes. This house that we're, the property that we're currently on. Oh my goodness. How, uh, you know the square footage of this place? Just to give people an idea of like how big it is. Right. Okay. So when we purchased it, it was around 2,500 square feet with a detached garage. And 
we are currently in the detached garage right mm-hmm. now today because it is now a game room um, yeah. <laughs> or like an overground basement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, dark walls, lots of TVs, <laughs> maybe a heavy bag yeah, yeah. <laughs> and some gym equipment. So anyway, but it's cute. Yeah. Um, and then the main house, like I said, it was 2,500 square mm-hmm. feet, but we carved a garage out of it and then added a few square feet. So I think it netted out to maybe like 2,300 or 2,400 square feet. And it's three bedrooms, three and a half bath. Um, It's just perfect for our needs. We have Mm -hmm. a a great room and everybody has a bedroom. We have got um, a laundry room and yeah. And then this game room. The overall journey of, of start to finish. Oh my gosh. How was that for you? Um, like all of the emojis, like just put them all there. It was amazing. It was yeah. horrible. It was like joyous. It was tragic. You know, it it was a full scale gut remodel mm-hmm. in the before, during, and after COVID. Um, wow. During which time, you know, a lot of life was happening. Mm-hmm. Some death was happening, and um, this was supposed to be like or this is supposed to be, you know, the, my Mona Lisa or mm-hmm. my Sistine Chapel. It's like my, this is, this is it. This is the yeah. crowning jewel in, in what I can do as a designer. And, um, it was a journey because during part of it, I was, um, grieving. And in other times it was joyous and, you know, it was, mm-hmm. it was literally all of the things. <laughs> and now that we live here, it's, wonderful it's spectacular but oh my goodness i just even for the sense of my clients Mm -hmm. um remodels and moving are like small t trauma just by themselves (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know it's just a lot of emotions Mm -hmm. and i just had a girlfriend move back into her house and it has been like a two-year renovation and um the guys who hung the mirrors on a tiled wall hung them like five inches too high so the the wall has to be retiled. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, if that were the only problem, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal. But it's yeah. at the end of a remodel where there's problems every day, yeah, you know, yeah. or can be. There can be issues, I should say. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Sorry. Yeah. I, I think that's such a way to describe that process because... I think sometimes people are looking for it to be the greatest thing ever, you know. Right. And it is, but it's also a lot of waiting, a lot of delays, yeah, a lot of things not being where they're supposed to be. And that just that's just part of the process. And at the end, like you said, it now it's something that you live in and it's finished process, totally worth it. But right. A lot of <laughs> a lot of things. All the things, yes. like you said. Yes. So what was your plan uh, or tell us a little bit about the the decision not to do tile in okay. in the on the walls? Yes. Okay. Of so the showers. Yes. Right. Um, yeah. So um, as you said, Sebastian is somebody who was in both of our lives. Mm-hmm. And if uh, to know Sebastian is to love Sebastian. I mean, such an amazing human, literally to everyone. I mean, it was, he, he was, he was remarkable. His, his spirit was so infectious. And so, um, 
he had tiled every single thing in our last home and we had done like essentially three different remodels it was it was like a whole remodel and then a partial and then <laughs> we had a flood and then it was another partial and <laughs> yeah. so um and then during that time when I was testing out sort of being a designer I had him doing work with my friends mm-hmm. and so the amount of time that Sebastian Deloy had with our family and my friends was immense because he his projects were perfect but they weren't quick (laughs) (laughs) he would kind of move in for a little while (laughs) and I think at some point Jackie was finally (laughs) like I think you need to come home for dinner and I was so proud of him when he would like leave at a normal hour I'm like good job Sebastian I'm so happy for you um but when he died, um, it was April, right? Mm-hmm. In April, uh, I was, I remember literally I was like looking at tile selections for my walls and my whole, we were still months out from that. And I just thought, I mean, he was, he was going to do it. He yeah. was the only one who was going to do it. And so I'm like, what's, you know, it's, it's that void where grief brings up funny questions. And for me, it was that, that, stupid practical well who would I have do the tile on my you know and and that was like the processing part of it that Mm -hmm. that actually didn't matter you know and um that's when I decided you know what I'm not gonna put any tile on the walls I'm not putting any there's not gonna in the main house there is no tile on the vertical so um all of our baths and showers are a plaster surround Mm -hmm. and then our backsplash um is just stone it's the countertop stone on the on the wall and that was just sort of my monument to him of there would be no there would be no substitute there's this space needed to be held Mm -hmm. um just for my own um way to honor him uh, so yeah, that was, that was a decision that I made. Yeah. I guess just, just to honor Sebastian, I felt like he needed a monument to him somewhere and it's kind of silly. It's just here, but it is here, you know, and I'm, I'm sure he has tons of other monuments and other people's homes and hearts. And I mean, I know anywhere he tiled, that's like a monument to mm-hmm. his care and love and, just detail oriented i i wanted to talk to the people who bought our last house and be like if you ever want to like blow any tile out let me know and i'll have a helicopter come and like (laughs) crane an entire wall (laughs) out (laughs) um yeah yeah that was that was so that's what i did wow i know (laughs) that's beautiful (laughs) it's just very (laughs) So as I mean, doing something like that, I think what's coming up for me in my head is like, it's so beautiful. The, the meaning that something can hold Mm -hmm. in absence. Mm -hmm. If, if that's kind of making sense because, you know, there's an absence of tile Mm -hmm. on the walls and it has this sort of greater meaning and paying homage to the absence of 
have not having someone in your life anymore and being able to do that in a home that you that you own and that you get to enjoy that you get to say you know this part of our house has meaning has mm. depth to it mm-hmm. i think is just one way to show everybody too like what can be done what you can mm. do with the space is is have these little things that have a great meaning and depth to them mm. and you know, if that was the only thing that happened in your life, then we'd be able to, you know, wrap that up and 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 go to the next thought. But that kind of wasn't the last thing that happened while you were right working on this house. Which how long? Like, if you had to just estimate from from beginning knockdown to to end. Yeah. About- well, we bought the house in 2019, and it's 2022. It's almost yeah. 2023. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think construction took over two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sebastian died in April. Mm-hmm. And then my father died by suicide in uh, dis- on December 1st, mm-hmm. 2020. And that was a full stop. That is like everything before that date has one meaning. Mm-hmm. And everything after that date has another. Um, And so when you ask about how this house was in building it, it was like, I mean, there's, I think there's a movie where it's like, it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. And it really was. It was like, I've never known such pain. And then again, I had to hold these, these countering emotions of like, I could still laugh and there was still joy. It took a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like I said, when we we're talking about that trauma and I didn't care about a knob or a light fixture or anything, I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like you can put up any fixture you can put on any knob. I don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's really bad trait for a designer <laughs> yeah, to have. Yeah, yeah. But it's a really honest one for somebody who's grieving. Mm-hmm. And I realized that I couldn't be much more than just somebody who is grieving. And then I had to sort of put the things in order that were most important. So then it would be um, a wife, a mom. Um, I had to take care of myself. I think I heard Jackie say that about like self-care became a really big thing. It was... Mm-hmm. Like if I could just, you know, have a cup of hot tea or whatever, whatever the thing was to recenter and recalibrate because, um, the bottom falls out when the bottom falls out, there's nothing anybody can say or do to bring it back up. Mm -hmm. It's like you're, you're all of a sudden dealing with something you, you're not equipped for and, and you could never be equipped for, um, death of a loved one much less uh i've learned now that suicide death by suicide and being a suicide survivor is a complicated grief they call it um and so i went through periods of like intense anger toward my dad and it's like really strange because it's like you're so mad at someone that you love so much and then 
you feel bad for being mad. You know what I'm saying? And so there's just all these conflicting emotions where um, I found just in my faculties, the first thing to go when I was just in survival mode was creativity. And so now we're approaching the two year anniversary of his death and I feel creative again. Mm. And so that to me is a really special mile marker because my dad was super creative and, um, in our home now in our bath, uh, the powder room upstairs, we, when we were going through um, my dad's stuff, he was a photographer in the sixties in LA and got to photograph rock stars like Mick Jagger, um, Jimi Hendrix, Barbara Streisand, the Beatles, the doors. I mean like dope groups, yeah, right? Wow. Yeah. And so, um, I decided in our powder room, I would put his work up there and just have that be this, like it was, it's the rock and roll, you mm-hmm. know, powder room. My girlfriend was so sweet. She's like, I don't know how, but you made a bathroom feel like a speakeasy. This is amazing. <laughs> I'm like, cool. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that was my way of, uh, bringing my dad in, you know, honoring him, putting his art, um, which he was, he was an artist at heart, um, mm-hmm. and was kind of discouraged from pursuing art by his very practical and pragmatic parents, um, who had lived through the depression. So there was, yeah. you know, there was a reason why yeah. people do the things they do. So, um, yeah, it, this house for me is now not just, uh, I don't know, not just a home and not just a creative achievement, but it's like an emotional journey. And, um, it really holds space to, mm, to be a human, I guess it like the imperfection, the pain, the joy, all of it, the healing, it's kind of all in these walls mm-hmm. already. And we just moved in in May. That's <laughs> yeah. crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, what a what a meaningful house. I know. <laughs> I know. Somebody's going to have to like bury me under the tree back here. <laughs> I don't know how this story ends. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, tell me a little bit about uh, growing up and being a daughter Mm. uh if you would like to kind of speak a little bit about the i mean whatever you feel comfortable or feel like comes to your mind Mm -hmm. um because obviously a trend that has been happening probably for a long time and i I feel bad for not knowing like numbers and facts but suicide Mm -hmm. men's mental health Mm -hmm. certain things that have been on the rise uh and problematic yeah you know we see a lot more of that happening uh and and you said that your father was also bipolar or he was yes yeah yeah so um growing up i really didn't even realize he was bipolar i mean Mm -hmm. i don't know if it was um because my stepmom really helped him manage you know, life in general. And, 
Um, or I was maybe just a kid and sort of self-absorbed, um, all the things. But then later in life, uh, when I began to understand it a little bit more, I still wasn't equipped to have some of the hard conversations that, um, I think back now, I wish I would have. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that is, um, something I've heard a lot is that people who are survivors of suicide wish that they had just been able to talk to their loved one about how they were feeling or, you know, Mm -hmm. I think for me, it's always a desire to have changed the ending. You know, that's, that was, uh, that's sort of my thought behind it. But being my dad's daughter was rad. Um, I have two sisters. He, a adored us like that is just an undeniable fact that each one of us would say wholeheartedly and we're all so different and he was always so proud of um he were we're known as the gem sisters because there's Genevieve who starts with a G I'm Aaron who starts with an E and then Maddie who starts mm, with an okay. M so G-E-M <laughs> <cool>. right <laughs> yeah so um he just would always you know, comment and talk to friends about what each one of us was doing. And, um, all of us are basically entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. He was an entrepreneur. Um, and we all have some sort of a Tonyism that, uh, that when we're around each other, we'll call out of like, Oh my gosh, that was dad. You just, you know, whatever you did. Yeah. And that's, that was his name. Tony. Oh, okay. Okay. okay, Yeah. yeah, yeah. Tony Hecht. Um, (laughs) And, uh, yeah, he was fun and funny and just like the best. And when you talk about, um, health and awareness, Mm -hmm. um, he was the kind of guy that you would never know he was upset, um, or sad or depressed unless you were really like in the house. Mm -hmm. Um, and you could feel and see those sort of waves, um, and sadly, uh, so that is my father. Uh, my mother's father died by suicide. Mm-hmm. And that was when I was 21. And so I have two men on both sides of my family, maternal and paternal, who have now died by suicide in their 70s. And wow. um, so for me, I personally deal with depression that to me is I now have like, if they had died of a heart attack, I would have no more difficult, no more difficulty saying that that is my family history, health history, as I now say suicide, Mm -hmm. you know, death by suicide is part of my family health history. And so, um, because I do deal with depression, I cut off my tolerance for how dark I can go. Mm -hmm because I don't have a threshold for it in my mind. I like, obviously I have maternal and paternal tendency Mm -hmm. for that. And even though it's not something that I consider, it's like, it would be foolish of me to think that I could flirt with it. So that's something that I take really seriously is like, Hey, you know what? Um, therapy, um, uh, I take, uh, medicine for it also it's a really low dose and i've like 
taken myself off of it and put myself back on it and not, oh, I couldn't put myself back on it, but taking myself mm-hmm. off and I just land in a world of hurt and mm-hmm. I'm, you know, my mind kind of tricks itself. It's like, oh, well, I feel good now. It's like, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. like the chemicals in your brain are getting connected by that little bridge they didn't have. And it's nothing personal. I mean, I didn't choose to have brown eyes, mm-hmm. but I have brown eyes. Yeah. You know, I didn't choose to have um, chemicals that don't talk to each other in my brain, but I do. So it's just something that I personally take ownership for. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, in terms of vocalizing it, and I, I think the key is I'm not ashamed of telling this story and I'm not ashamed of my dad, um, or my grandfather. I'm sad. I wish that they had made a different choice. If you even think it could be a choice. Mm -hmm. Um, but I know that like, I'm going to get a little spiritual here. Is that okay? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so I believe that like, God made us and that he knows what perfection is in every attribute. And in my opinion, that perfection was Jesus and everybody else falls super short of it. Mm -hmm. And so if my dad's brain didn't connect, God knew that. And he he wants us all to be whole and he doesn't want us to be in this broken world. And so that to me is where, um, my faith comes in super, just hardcore. I don't get to decide who goes to heaven or not. That's above my pay grade, (laughs) but I get great comfort in just knowing that if somebody was broken or somebody is broken, God knows And he doesn't expect, like, we don't expect a car to run without gas. You Mm. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I don't think the creator of all of heaven and earth expects somebody who's deficient in neurochemicals or transmitters to run without them. So I just, I believe he, I believe he's big enough to figure out the problems that are too big for me to (laughs) deal with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I, I get my peace. And in terms of being a daughter, when my earthly father, Tony, you know, made a decision that hurt me in the way that he died, I have to believe that my heavenly father has him covered Mm -hmm. so that is sort of like my full answer of being a daughter is it takes two dads (laughs) beautifully said so so one of the things i'm hearing is that faith helped with that process of Mm -hmm. of loss Mm -hmm. uh hearing different people's stories of of loss and then also just hearing a lot of other people's stories you know from podcasts or or different things on online or just friends family grief is never something that is the same for any one person Mm-mm. and i've heard a lot of different people say things like you know in your time what y- you need to do to cope with this is kind of 
it it's a tough thing to hear because I think as humans we want answers mm. to be black and white. We want the solution to the problem needs to be this this plus this Mm -hmm. and with grief there's no it's it's different for every unique and complex individual knowing that what would you say were some of the things that helped you Mm. um you know obviously it's not the same for everybody right but hearing other people's perspectives i think is one important for people to know that they're not alone and and an and an act of of service like how you said earlier helping your friends you know design their space mm-hmm. uh doing the different things that you've done throughout your life uh being in acts of service like that uh what would you say are some of the things that got you to the place you are now mm. one of them sounds like faith yeah yeah um yeah so um just sitting in my sadness mm-hmm. um in terms of like just just being okay with not being okay um and I had to sort of frame it in the sense because the, I think the first 30 days afterwards. Um, and we're was, talking specifically uh, about your father. Yes. Okay. Yeah. From after my dad's mm. death, it was like a blur. So mm. I think I finally came to sometime after the 30 days. It was like, you're just reacting to things that have to be done um, mm. in terms of uh, in his situation, it was kind of a mess. We had to move all of his stuff out of a home that he had just sold. So there was like these really big hurdles and we couldn't even just sit and grieve. And Mm -hmm. I remember one of my sisters saying, she's like, it shouldn't be this way. And we're all like, you're right. It should not. So the first 30 days, um, if you're, Oh, if you're in the life of someone who's grieving or if you are grieving, um, I would just say grace and time and, um, don't ask somebody what they need because the last thing that I needed was to think of something for you to do for me. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like I had friends just send me soup and that's, that was awesome. I had friends, um, just drop off cookies or just, uh, say, Hey, can I take your kid to this spot? Um, so volunteering, and asking, can I do this specific thing for you? That was super helpful. Um, I would also say that I had a friend reach out and try to tell me how they grieved during a time. And I, I didn't ask them. Like it was like all un, I, I had never asked the question. So I didn't understand why they were telling me what they went through. Uh And I remember at one point they said, Yeah. And then I just got so much anxiety whenever I saw the person who I was grieving, I, uh, the stuff, you know, whether it was a picture or a card, I just put everything in a box so that I could take it out and look at it when I needed to. And I remember sitting there thinking like, I have my dad's eyes. Like I can't put those in a box and like bring them back out. So for me, that was really a lesson of 
not giving anyone advice when they're grieving, not telling people what worked for you, but really just sitting there listening. Mm. Um, and I think I remember Jackie saying that also is just listen, just kind of be there for them. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, coming out of that was tough because, and I explained it to my kids, like, and I think somebody told me this is that grief is like a room that you're pulled into, or I almost described it as like sucked into Mm -hmm. at almost any minute for any reason at any time. And you don't know when you're going to be able to necessarily get out of it. And it's not like a torture chamber. It's (laughs) just, it's just a grieving space and it can be, I mean, I remember we landed in Arizona for something. Gosh, it was like a, uh, maybe it was six months after his death and the entire state triggered me. I was like shaking and crying and I didn't know why because it was a beautiful day, Mm. you know, but your, your body and your mind has its own timeline. And so just that, that gentle touch grace upon grace, like more and more grace. Um, yeah. And it, I think it's, I mean, it's the messy side. Like we all like to be really pretty polished, put together people. And, um, grief does not care about any of that. And it doesn't allow for the polish. So it's kind of like the most, I don't want to say it's the most authentic human experience because every human experience is pretty authentic, but it's just one you can't hide from necessarily. Mm Mm-hmm. Coming out of all these experiences, I think one one thing that this is just very apparent to me is like it's interesting how I always I always look at life like a book kind of. Mm. And we have all these chapters that we go through and we have all these people in certain chapters and it's hard sometimes when things happen and we have to move on. And I don't, I don't even, I'm, I know there's a better way to say move on because it never feels like you've moved past something, Mm -hmm. but that's why I like the illustration of a book because Mm -hmm. it's not like you're forgetting somebody or you're leaving them in the past or it's still part of your book that you're writing. Mm Mm-hmm. And now you're just, you're just in the next chapter Mm -hmm. and you can always go back to the chapters that were with that person. Mm -hmm. Like you said, with your friend looking at the pictures or, you know, the memories of Mm -hmm. a certain person or the memories of experiences that you've lived. And I think it's what a, what a beautiful human being you are because (laughs) to have gone through you know, those two things in specific, but not only that, but then, you know, hearing your story of becoming a designer, mm. uh, being an artist from such a young age and having all these things that are in your book, what do you feel like the next chapters are, are looking like mm. for you? And they're the happy chapters. <laughs> <laughs> I I know I don't know um I feel like we've had enough grief and trauma in the book already so I'm I'm hoping that there's other things but um yeah so the next chapters 
Um, gosh, well, our kids are in high school. One is about to be in college next mm-hmm. year. She'll be in college and our youngest is going to be a sophomore in high school. So our next chapter is kind of like rediscovering our relationship, each other, you know, mm-hmm. once our, our children are out of the house. So that would be Let's look at like an Olympic cycle. We're looking like four years from now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would be the next chapter um, in that sense. But um, right now, I guess this current chapter maybe where I've, I've gotten my creativity back. I feel like there's a lot of healing that's taken place. Um, I don't have a hard time reading the chapters before or talking yeah. about them. Yeah. Like you said, they're all in the book. So I get to take them all with me no matter where. Um, I take the legacy that our family leaves behind a lot more seriously now. Mm. Um, And not just, you know, not just the Brown family, but I also look at the Hecht family. Um, My father's legacy, I believe that I can still be a part of building that. You know, my kids are obviously a part of his legacy. so I think the exciting chapters are in front of us. Like we are, we get to see God willing, my daughter leave our house, like literally this next September and, and go to a university and, and flex that big brain of hers. (laughs) And that's super cool. You know, that's, that was sort of the whole point of raising kids is to raise them into adulthood, you know, you point the arrow and you don't get to decide where they land. So kind of getting to sit back and be witnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, like all the Le, uh, the LeBron James fans, we are all witnesses, right? <laughs> we just all get to witness each other's lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think this next, let's let's call this next chapter excitement. How about that? I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. I I... I think one of the things that is really interesting is how um, it, it's 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 a weird feeling to come out of some of the some of the harder sadder chapters. It is. Uh, but one thing I think is really that adds beauty to it is the fact that, and I I'm definitely taking this from a podcast I heard, but it stuck with me so hard. But it's I'm gonna get the idea maybe not the words exactly but it was he said something like if if we can if we can look at pain as something that we get to then share what we've learned from it with others Mm -hmm. it imbues that thing with meaning Mm -hmm. kind of and i i'm like this whole time i'm just hearing your story and it's so clear to me how we've gone through things and then we get to share maybe a little bit of that with others and it and it turns it into something that yeah it's still painful but I'm not really is that making sense a hundred percent a hundred percent and it's I think um I don't know if community is the right word, but Mm -hmm. there is a community in it in the sense of like being known and knowing each other in pain. Mm -hmm. Um, My, 
one of my siblings shared something about our father's death the other day and uh, tagged me. And so I reshared it and it again, got to open up that conversation and it's amazing how many people reached out mm. and talked about how they've been affected by the very same thing. Um, and so whatever the pain comes from sharing it, I think there's this like big hurdle in sharing it cause it feels so vulnerable, but it's so important cause so many other people need, need to share that or need to know that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think there's, there, it is, it's that sort of that healing cycle in, in the pain and nobody wishes that pain on anyone, but once you're there, just know that I'm there too. I've been there. Um, and I'm just willing to walk alongside you kind of a thing. Beautiful. Hmm. So before we, I I think unless there's anything, any of the biggest life lessons and I mean, oh, I, I have like a, I have a big life lesson. <laughs> Don't put turf in directly sunny areas if you have a dog. Okay, this is totally off topic, but I don't think it's a bad thing to end with laughter. <laughs> oh, for for sure, right? It's basically like having, and I'm talking about grass turf. I'm not, yeah, yeah. you know, um, it's basically like having <laughs> a plastic urine carpet. <laughs> So just a little heads up. I tried to be water wise. I think I'm going to have to rip it out. Um, I'm thinking about it because I'm about to take you on a tour of the yeah, house yeah. and I'm going to say, I'm sorry, this smells like dog pee. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there's a life lesson for you. Beautiful. Amazing life lesson right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. I'm sure there's tons of other things that you've learned along the way cuz I've I been hope so. I've been watching I've been, yeah, I hope so, right? I hope we've learned a couple things. <laughs> but yeah, I've just been watching, you know, mm. for anybody who has been following along with Aaron Brown's journey of the house. It's been probably not the funnest experience at all times for you but wildly entertaining for anybody who's been watching the way you share things that's another thing too like you're very entertaining you know Uh, thank (laughs) you the stairway and the this and then you're like wow like you feel like you're there with you building this house (laughs) oh my gosh you kind of were (laughs) yeah yeah for sure yeah um so as we end this podcast with a a cookie, I'm a so vegan excited. cookie, yes. uh, what are your mm. next Aaron Brown projects that you got going on? Anything you'd like to share with people? Ooh, Where um, can people follow along? Sorry, I need this cookie. Um, I've been looking and, at it the entire podcast. And, and this and- is a brand called Partake. I found these at Sprouts. This is cookie butter is that what it is it is cookie butter and i will have you know they're soft cookies they are not only vegan but they're gluten-free and the top nine allergens are not in this cookie (laughs) i'm so excited to eat it you sound so professional (laughs) you should see how adorable i have to believe these are a mother and child on the back of this denise woodard Founder and CEO, you are amazing. Hang on, I'm about to taste your cookie. These are incredible. Mm. Mm-hmm. This is nice. This is a nice cookie. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this really. I mean, I don't know what is in it because there's so many things that are not in it. <laughs> there's 
top nine allergens definitely not in there no nuts no eggs no wheat no dairy no soy no fish no shellfish no mustard no sesame and no sulfites denise these are amazing (laughs) (laughs) thanks denise yeah um okay next big thing for aaron brown um that would be me uh I am working on a project right now. I do have a client. I um, It's my first client um, in two years. Really, I had finished up some clients, mm-hmm. um, but I just couldn't take on anybody or anything new. Um, so this feels victorious to me. Um, we're going to have another cute house here in San Clemente. It's nice. just being torn down right now, so let's expect it a shade under two years from now. <laughs> um and then uh yeah just helping helping get my daughter off to college and my son sophomore year and my husband he is uh we didn't even talk about him he's a fun guy but yeah yeah. uh, yeah, and just being his wife and I've seen the uh stories you post on your on your Instagram involving your husband and they're hilarious Mm -hmm. your guys's relationship Mm -hmm. is so beautiful Mm -hmm. like I love that it's play like so playful like it feels like like you guys are teenagers in love like i uh, love that well thank you um <laughs> yeah for better or for worse he does sometimes treat our household like a locker room and there's like a lot of bantering and um it. yeah it's very funny in fact i have to tell people who visit he'll call someone out or kind of just say something right away and i'm like if he is not giving you a hard time that actually means he doesn't like you yeah, yeah. so <laughs> you're in the nest welcome yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah he's very very playful for certain so yeah awesome uh if anybody has ever met aaron brown or her husband we all know what a beautiful family you have what a beautiful person you are inside and out and thank, thank you so you. much for for sh- coming on and sharing like all of this this was amazing oh thank you um thank and you. also for just having the ability to be like you said vulnerable and just share with no shame um yeah thank you so much oh thank you i appreciate it and thank you for having these amazing microphones and this <laughs> opportunity i mean you're welcome how cool is it you're creating a podcast i i would actually if we ever have an opportunity that i can interview you <laughs> i'm volunteering for that because your story is pretty amazing also yeah yeah it'll it'll happen one day okay uh i think my by the way those cookies are so good they're so good and i think it would be cool to well first of all uh where can people follow you find oh. more of your stuff aaron brown design um on instagram i think that's just the best way awesome yeah and, and I, aaron is e-r-i-n aaron brown design awesome and i think we'll end you set the cookie box down mm. and the back of the cookie box is so perfect so we'll end with with what the back of the cookie box says it says we believe in the ability to partake in all of life's joys big and small oh is that perfect? That really is. And I'm looking, the serving size is three cookies. So I think we both need to have two more cookies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, for sure. The, this box, I'm going well over the I'm There's no, I'm not holding back. So yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. This is cute. Wait, hold on. I like to, I like to be different change of scenery that we always that do keep it fresh you know birth and then brought back together when i spilled chocolate milk on you in eighth grade <laughs> um and <laughs>
life experiences you can't come out the gate shooting if nobody knows who you are where you're right. from that's what it does it's all sorts so i love it